Hello and welcome to Get Fruitful Conversations. I'm your host, Anwyn Cooper, and if you're interested in growing a passion-fueled, purpose-driven enterprise and believe that business can be a force for greater good, then this is the podcast for you. Each episode, I'll be talking with inspiring entrepreneurs and inviting them to share how they're pioneering new ways of working to create more prosperity and positive impact for people and the planet. We'll be bringing you fresh insight and practical actions to generate more income and impact through your own business. Our purpose is to give you new perspectives on how to align your vision to a bigger mission in a way that fulfills your personal potential while also generating a longer lasting legacy and more value for all. So thanks for tuning in. I'm delighted you're here to listen. Now let's get fruitful with today's conversation. So today's guest, Sue Nelson, is an award-winning businesswoman, author, broadcaster and speaker, and a renowned expert on using innovation to accelerate hyper-profitability. She was recently named as one of the top 20 global food and agri-influencers and thought leaders. And in 2019, she was awarded the London and Southeast Director of the Year for Innovation. Sue was the founder and sole owner of the multiple award-winning Breakthrough Group, which started out from her conservatory back in 2015 as a two-person operation and grew to a highly profitable multi-million pound business, which she sold to EY Ernst & Young in 2020. Sue has appeared on every national television and radio news programme in the UK as a guest from CNN, Sky News, Radio 5 Live and Radio 4's Today programme to The Culture Show, BBC Breakfast, The Politics Show and The Food programme and she also is the founder and co-host of the Food Talk radio podcast. But now I'm talking to you. And now you're here talking to me and thank you for joining me. Is there anything else you want to add? Did I miss anything out of your amazing bio um not really i mean i think that um i started off at school being not very academic and i remember my teacher saying that i was not an academic high flyer um and i was good at drawing so i went to art college because you didn't need many qualifications for that um i got a degree in graphic design and started working in advertising agencies in london um I've always been really interested in business. I was a very sort of, not really know any business women. I saw lots of guys in business. I don't really see any women in business. I don't really understand why. Um, and then I came across a couple of people who were women in business and I was just so impressed by them. I was just so impressed. Because although they were female and <clears throat> sassy and sort of, they were not taking any crap from anybody. Um, um, they held their own and... You know, I just, I just really admired them, um, and I just thought I don't really want to be a business person, but I didn't know how how you do that. I think, um, and then eventually I set up a small business before I had children, but then I had to I had to stop that. So I just found it too difficult to juggle uh, two young children and a business um, because in those days the technology wasn't there to allow you to do that. Mm. Um, and then I went back into corporates. And to be totally honest with you, I thought most of the corporates were rubbish. <laughs> rubbish. I just didn't like the way they operated, particularly. It didn't really suit me. And I thought a lot of my bosses were rubbish as well, really. Mm, and not that's very inspiring. That, well, it's not from an arrogance point of view. It's like, well, why do I have to do this? It just seems stupid to me, you know, when we could be doing this over here or, or 
I didn't really like the politics thing either. I, I didn't really, and I still don't really get why people do the, the politics thing in offices. And it seems to me that stops people from flourishing and stops people's talents coming out. And actually, you know, when something is political, it means the people who are the biggest bullies and the biggest liars and cheats, you know, who can who can put up with all that rubbish and, and push their way through it. And, you know, they tend to be the people who, who sort of come to the top. And I just yeah. didn't really like that. Um, because I'm not, you know, I was brought up, my mum would tell me off if I lied or cheated or did anything naughty. <laughs> <laughs> And even I'm 60 this year, I still think I'm going to get told off if I do something, you know, bad. So it's like, this doesn't fit very comfortably with me. And I just thought if you quietly stick your head down, you do a really, really good job, that would be enough. But do you know what? Mm. It seemed to me like it was enough. I mean, I had a really successful corporate career. Don't get me wrong. I was earning six figures and all that sort of stuff. But it didn't feel particularly fulfilling. And I think I had one bad boss too many. Um, and, and, and then it's like, well, I'm just going to do this on my own. Yeah, um, and then five, six years ago now, because actually it was is almost exactly a year ago I sold the company. Um, you know, six years ago I just started with my mate Brady, and we just felt like we could do a massive experiment. I think about well, could could you create a company where you could put all those things in press and it could still be profitable? Say, mm. oh, it's all right to have it's all very woolly and you know hippie and whatever um you'll never make a success of it and it'll never be profitable and and actually the opposite was true mm. we ended up with 20 odd people the you know the company was turning over two and a half million and making a million profit and you think that's 22 people making a million profit that is this hugely profitable and i am talking about net profit i'm not talking about gross um, mm-hmm. so so you know, if you get if you put that in place, it's it it can lead to hugely profitable, uh, and nobody was allowed to work more than thirty seven and a half hours a week. Nobody was allowed to work at weekends. Not allowed to answer their phone in the evenings or anything like that. So you can do it by working sensible normal. hours. Yeah, yeah, and getting great people, and you can do it. And it, I suppose in a way it was an experiment, but it worked. It yeah, amazing. Worked. <clears throat> yeah. So that kind of leads me into my first question. You've sort of answered it a little bit there, but I wanted to ask you, what does success mean for you? And maybe that's changed over the years. Maybe maybe it's meant different things to you at different times. I mean, there have been times in my life when I've been really, really skint and, and therefore success was about earning more money because of struggling, you know, all, all sorts of things. And, and it's hard when you're having to watch every penny all the time. It's really tough. And I know you've been through that when business has been difficult for you as well. It's it's hard and it's it's all consuming somehow. Mm. And when you don't have much money, stuff always goes wrong. Like the washing machine breaks down, or the, you know, it's all it's like oh my god, my car, you know. And and it's a really tough time. So that, in some ways, was a measure of success. Yeah. Now I'm um, multi-millionaire, which day <laughs> my whole life. Um, then obviously. Um, and and five or six years ago, you know, I had loads of good income. That then money wasn't a driver, and therefore for me, it's well, why are we going to work then? And it is a sense of, of fulfilment. But I think the thing, certainly the thing I got the most pleasure out of over the five years of running the business, was seeing people who didn't think they could offer too much or they were lacking confidence, and just seeing them flourish mm. and, and take something over and make it their own and 
everything changes when that happens. And people's confidence yeah. and their status changes and what they feel about themselves changes. And, you know, the good thing about work, and it's, it's very interesting at the moment, blending work and home, which has been forced on us. Um, you know, if you, if you are a mum and a wife and a, a carer or whatever it is, you know, when you come to work, you don't care about that. They just, they just know you at work, who you are. And sometimes you can disappear into that and, 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 and be that. And of course, that's the same for dads. But I do feel quite strongly that for mums, sometimes it's like, I just want to be me, mum mm. or, you know, carer or daughter or, you know, all these things. Um, so, yeah, seeing that, I just get huge amounts of pleasure from. Yeah. So seeing people develop. Yeah. 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 And and that kind of leads on to my next question about so why do you do what you do or what you have done? Kind of what has motivated you? Do you think what 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 was your big vision when you set out with the business? I mean, you sort of touched on it a bit there about yeah. well, going into it with the experimental kind of attitude and and suck it and see. Um, I mean, I did think, you have an end goal in mind about where you yeah. wanted to get to? I mean, I think you do have to have an exit strategy when you start a business, and the exit strategy might be I just want it to get bigger and bigger. Or it might be I want to sell it, or it might be I want to franchise it, you know, or whatever it is. Um, but you, you know, you should bear that in mind. I set it up to sell it from from mm. day, one. and that meant that every guiding decision about what we were going to do is, is was about selling it um, and setting up in a way that somebody would not only buy it but actually keep all the principles we had intact, keep all the staff there, keep the office there, do all of those things. Yeah, if they couldn't, I wasn't interested in in, in selling it. So, so that was the, the vision to start with. I think that five years ago, um, as a startup, I was very lucky to, to put my own money in it. I didn't have to pay any debts. I didn't have to do anything. I just decided that I was going to be have some faith in the fact it was going to work. And therefore, I put everything I had at the time, which was £300,000, into it and, and invested that money. And I just thought, well, if it all goes bear-shaped, I'll just have to keep working for another 10 years um, to to recoup that money and and be able to retire, you know, with a reasonable income. Um, But it was, it was a bet. So, so I challenged myself and why did I do it? Part of it is to prove that you can be nice in business. I think. Yeah. It can work. We always paid everybody on time. Absolutely on the nail. Um, Treat people with respect, listen to ideas, very basic, basic stuff really it sounds like doesn't it but it's not that common necessarily <laughs> it's just yeah. not common really yeah. um you know I didn't have an office with some swanky you know whatever I was the one who blew in hot desk because I didn't really have a desk and they just used to shove me on the side everywhere and whatever and it means that you really hear what's going on you really know what's going on um and encourage lots of ideas and thinking and recruiting the right people is essential Mm. Um, and I suppose why did I do it I think really because I was a kid brought up in inner city London with no bathroom and outside toilet I think I was trying to prove prove it to myself I think Mm. (laughs) well it's great you bet you bet on yourself basically (laughs) I'm a bit childish but yeah yeah you you bet on yourself and you won yeah, well, I bet on myself and my team, and we won. Yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> mm. It was a, sh- a shared endeavor. Yes. So yeah. you, you can't do it on your own. No. If you you if you channel everything through you, when you get to a size, you get stuck. Lots of people suddenly you get completely stuck, and it won't mm. work. So you've got you've got to 
inspire people to, to understand what your vision is and get them to share it and get them to live it and breathe it and then act on their own in it because you can't be behind them every minute of the day. So mm. if you can't do that, you won't scale up. Yeah. Very good. So what are you working on at the moment? What's keeping you busy oh, nowadays? So um, you're not really a lady of leisure, are you? No, I am actually. <laughs> to, a, to a degree. So when I started the business, I was absolutely exhausted. I mean, going through the buying and selling process of a business is really, really tough. Um, and because it was a EY, Ernst & Young, and they're a multi-billion pound company, you can imagine the due diligence was forensic, to say, to say <laughs> the least, which we passed with flying colours, but, but you know, and quite rightly so. Um, and I think for the first three or four months, I just, I just did nothing. Mm, sounds I mean, blissful. I mean, in a way, the, the timing was amazing because I sold it on the 31st of March and like looked <laughs> happened. So, so actually I couldn't really do much. I was sort of forced to do that and, and um, bought a, a new lovely house with my partner, Simon, and, and um, we spent a lot of time digging and doing stuff up and doing <laughs> physical work because it was so lovely last spring and summer, if you remember. And I mm. think having that break and doing that was good. Um, I've always... Um, had non-execs for charities and so so I continue doing those so um, I'm on quite a few charity boards um, and I still have to work uh, one or two days a week um, with EY which is all good so yeah so I work, I work sort of half time I would say mm. yeah a great balance it is it's good I recommend it yeah well, your 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 stepmom's going to be in this position soon so she <laughs> She needs to learn from me that actually you need to do. You need to slow down. You need to slow down. Well, you're so used to having so many things to deal with, particularly people issues, which always takes the most time. And and it's so nice to think, oh, I'm not responsible for that anymore. Mm. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, sounds great. But, I, but, you know, really interestingly, my identity is not tied up with my work. Yeah, I think you keep that separate. To, yeah, I think the people who struggle to retire – are people who who you know their identity is really tied up with their work and their status and their social circle and, you know all those things and, and mm. my my work I you know my work is not is not me mm -hmm. you know it's, it's an important part of me but it's not me I, I don't you know so so I found it much easier yeah next to nothing for three months <laughs> <laughs> interesting so looking to the future what, what what's next for you or what what do you kind oh, of working you know, towards do you think i'm not going to answer that question no oh it's a secret <laughs> <laughs> i think the absolute critical thing about running a great business is hiring the right people mm. i think you know we spent a long time looking at who we would recruit and why and how we would do it and i was really really lucky enough to to um set the company up with brady um who i've known since she was 10 actually oh, wow. and she's now 40 something odd um and we talked a lot about recruitment processes and she used to be in recruitment so she handled all the recruitment side of it um and we used to we used to say right we're not going to use an agency nothing worse than that let's um let's do our own ads but let's do quirky ads because we want we want people who are a bit off the wall to apply we don't mm. want we, we want a really mixed team so we can get mixed ideas and lots of input from different angles and you know that sort of stuff um and so we used to never ask for qualifications ever um, now i know you can't do that if you're a solicitor or 
you know, an accountant or something. But, you know, for us, it was like we don't need any particular qualifications. We need people who will will train them to death. A massive, mm. huge training program, which Brady set up and was in charge of. Um, and, and you know, we, we can do everything to get that person up to speed. But actually what you can't do is you can't teach somebody to smile when they're on the phone to a client naturally or really want to help somebody or like people or be bubbly or be inquisitive or be fine with change or it's all those things that we wanted um and so we constructed these um adverts which were really off the wall about sort of people that we wanted and we said we didn't necessarily want a cv we wanted because some people don't have cvs they don't even really know what a cv is we just Mm. want you to research who we are look at what we do how quirky we are and tell us in whichever way you think how you would be good for this job mm. and I remember Sharon who, who got a job and still works for us today um uh baked a cake oh my god oh wow beautiful this cake I mean it's like well you've got the job yeah just turning up with a cake to a job <laughs> interview that's inspired <laughs> a really nice story behind the cake and why she'd use this as an example and how she thought it fitted in with us and it's like you've really thought about this mm. you know you really really thought about this She's never written a CV. She wouldn't know what to write, you know, and, and it's like, she's amazing. She's an amazing employee, you know. Um, and then we had a Does guy. Does she keep bringing cakes in for people oh, on a regular well, basis? Well, or like one-off? She was on cake duty. So <laughs> never, ever take the cakes like her. Um, and then um, we had a guy who used to be a sniper in Afghanistan. Um, and uh, Paul, who's six foot, I think he's six foot eight, because I won't speak wow. to him. He's sitting down. He's covered in tattoos with a shaven head and looks like the pub landlord. He's, he's amazing. He runs everything in the business, everything mm. from IT to sorting the building out facilities management to running all the bank accounts to, I mean, doing all the contracts with people we have. Incredible person. How would you get that on a CV? How would you know mm. that? So, you know, they are inspirational and, and, they're the ones who made it grow because they just got it and they just bought into it and really work as a team. And mm. if anybody wants to do any old politics thing, whatever, you're sacked. So like, don't even try that stuff. <laughs> it doesn't work and we don't like it and we're not mm. having it. Um, and, you know, they're just such an amazing bunch of people. And that's, you know, that's what makes a company. That's what makes yeah. And that's what makes you profitable. You know, mm. that makes you profitable. And they're not allowed to work past their hours. And, you know there's enough to do you, you know during the day you don't mm. work weekends why would you do that why would yeah. you so um it can work and i think spend a lot of time recruiting the right people but look at behaviors and attitudes not what qualifications they have it doesn't matter it really doesn't matter it's what would you do in this situation and how would you handle that and what do you think about brand and how would you put that and what's your favorite film and have you got a dog and just all sorts of stuff like to see what what sort of person you're getting so mm. it doesn't always work for us we haven't always hired the right people and sometimes some people haven't been quite right and they haven't fitted quite right but in general we've been really good at recruitment and mm. I think it's I just think it's not talked enough about yeah, interesting. I didn't answer your question, but that's that's what I wanted. No, that's fine. <laughs> that was a, a politician's answer, very evasive. Um, so, I'm not what has question again now? So sorry. What are you going to do in the future? Yeah. Um, what has been your biggest learning? Would you say along this journey? Learning. Or how how do you think you've developed as a person? What have you learned about yourself? Well, I've definitely got tougher um because you have to in business and 
the more you grow, the more you're going to be sniped at. So success does encourage people to have a pop at you, which I find I find a bit difficult. Um, and I, I particularly find it difficult when pe- people make up lies about you. Um, you know, and I just I just think, what, why, why would you do What's wrong with you? Why would you do that? Um, so I found, I found all that quite bewildering. I've had to have quite a few court cases because of people not paying and various other things. And, you know, you have got to, you've got to toughen up. Once mm. you, um, and I think I've learned to do that. Um, it doesn't mean to say you should behave like that. So I've always thought, well, you can say what you want and do what you want, but you know what? People will know what the truth is eventually by your actions and how you carry on and what you do. Um, and people have been really, particularly some accountancy firms have been really sniffy about what we did. It's like, well, you're not, you know, you're not accountant. Mm. So you can't, you can't know what you're doing. Well, look at this, mate. We certainly do. Um, and one of the biggest accountancy companies in the world has just bought us, so we can't be that rubbish. Um, and I and I think the criticism thing still hurts, but I've just got I've just got better at dealing with it. I think. And I think again, when people are successful and they have a social media profile, and I've been reading a lot about that in the news recently. You know, why should somebody ever pop at you? I just they're just cowards, mm. cowardly people. Um, and I and I guess it's just one of those things you have to put up with. And if you can't cope with it, you you know, success isn't you're going to struggle with success. Um, yeah. But I think the biggest learning is, I would say somebody would say to me, "Oh, I can't chase this client because they're a really good client of ours. And they spend a lot of money with us, and they haven't paid. But you know, I dare not upset them. It's like, but they're not a client. They haven't paid. <laughs> if they haven't paid, they're not a client. And also, yeah. they're not a good client either." Um, I mean, we've had people struggling to pay and we always say, you know, can we help you? Can we do a payment plan? Can we do this that, and the other? But, you know, at the end of the day, you have contracted to buy something and therefore you must pay mm. and you must chase your debts because cash flow is everything. Um, and that's the biggest lesson you need to learn. Cash flow is everything. Mm. You, can be, you can sell as much as you want. You can be hugely successful. If you've got money in the account, you're not going to be able to pay salaries. You're not going to be able to pay yourself. And eventually you, you will die. Yeah. And, and you can have whatever books you like in terms of showing success, but, but, but cash is everything. So you've got to do that. You must do that. Cash and if you can't do it, get somebody on your team that can, but you've got to do it. Yeah. Wise words. So we talked a little bit um, at the beginning about uh the subject of business for good but I want to invite you to talk a bit more around about what what does that mean for you so i think the world of, of work has changed immeasurably over the last 20 years probably even just 10 years and you know i, I got an mba and went to business school a long time ago and and then i became an academic and i sort of lectured in business school as a business academic and everything's changed i think and all of that academic work I think a lot of it is, is not relevant any longer. Some of it is constant. There's some things about business that will never change, but I think the way you, the way you get new business is completely different. And I think what, what we always said is like, this person's really interesting. We think we can help them as a client. We can get the money back, which is what we do as a client. But actually, do you know what? That doesn't matter. If they don't want to use our services and actually they're not eligible, we can't help them there might be another way we can help them so we can connect them to somebody or you know looking for funding and we know somebody who's wants to make investments and it didn't matter to us if 
the sale didn't happen. What mm. happened to us is that we had a connection with that person and we developed a relationship with that person because two years down the line, they'll go, I'm going to recommend my friend because I know I can't do it, but they can. And that person becomes an ambassador for you. So what we say is that profit for purpose is important because if you don't have profit, you're not sustainable. Um, but you can use that profit for good. But more important than that, you can use the way you do business to help as many people as possible. And just by doing that, you will gain ambassadors all over the place who will you won't even know how those tentacles spread out mm. but eventually that is how you get new business by getting new business you say how can I help you not can I sell you this yeah it's a massive massive change so for us it's it was always what is it that you do and how can we help you and the conversation about what you do comes afterwards. Mm. I still see too many salespeople and business development people who come and see you and all they do is talk for 20 minutes about what they do. Yeah. I'm bored. Sorry, you're selfish. I'm not, I'm, I'm not interested. Because yeah. actually they just want to push whatever they've got to push onto you. Absolutely. So yeah. stop broadcasting and listen mm. and then see how you can. So important. And, and, it, and business will come if you do that. It will come. Yeah. Thank you. Any other top tips for people top starting tips. out in business or top tips? Feeling uh, stuck. You can have a, a lifestyle business. Nothing wrong with that. But if you want to start a business, a business that where you want to make a serious profit, you want to really make a living, you want to create some wealth for yourself and to employ people um, and have a big footprint. Um then that's a different type of business. Um, and the day you recruit a person and employ them, it's a huge responsibility. You are responsibility. You are responsible for paying their mortgages or their mm. rent uh, and clothing their children and paying for their supermarket shop. It's a massive, massive undertaking. Um, my personal opinion, which is quite controversial, is I don't believe in bootstrapping. I think it's too hard and too difficult and too slow. And because the world changes so fast, I, I can't see how you can get growth out of that. I think if you want to seriously do a company, I think you should save up as much money as you can or get as many investors as you can. And you should start your business with a six-figure sum and then look at how you're going to do it because I think that is what's going to give you the momentum. Starting from nothing, having no salary, as I said, bootstrapping from that is just such a tall order. Mm. It's so hard because because business changes so quickly. So I think get some money, get some funding, really think about what you're doing. And as soon as you've got a, quite a bit of money to play with, you really start taking seriously your processes, writing proper contracts, because you don't want to lose that money, mm. return on it. And I think, I think it changes your mindset and the way you think about things because you need to protect that position. Um, yeah. And you can do the things that you want to do. And you can recruit the people that you want instead of trying to do everything yourself. Um, and, you know, Brady and I started on our own, but we had money to start with. Um, and we just, we really looked at making it a process-driven organisation. So on the front of it, it's funky and interesting, but at the back of it, it was absolutely process-driven. We spent huge amounts of money so that it was like a, a factory at the mm. back of how things uh, ran. So my personal opinion, if you've got a great idea, work hard, earn some money, save it, get some investors and, and launch it when you're absolutely ready. 
you know do it do it properly fund it yeah 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 i think so and say there's nothing wrong with a, with a lifestyle business nothing wrong at all but if, if if your mindset is i really want to make a go for this i wanted to make it profitable like me i want to sell it for multi-millions because i want i want an amazing future for my family you know that is the way to do it yeah awesome so where do you draw inspiration from along the way is there anyone in particular that has inspired you or books that you've read or experiences that you've had that have contributed to the way you've seen the world or decisions um, that you've made do you know again uh, this sounds a bit arrogant really but do you know i've never met any per- people that have started a business from scratch and then sold it for a good few million to multi-billion pound company i don't know anybody that's female that's done that apart from myself <laughs> so I, I haven't really drawn inspiration from that at all um i think i've drawn i've drawn energy from my friends and from other particularly female business people and, and got the energy from them or bounced ideas off them. But I haven't, I think what I've learned mostly is how not to do something. Mm. That's what I've, that's what I've learned. How I don't want to behave like that person as my boss. I will never be like that person. I don't want to be like that person. And it doesn't work anyway. Um, and, you know, I've made huge mistakes and it's like, oh, better not do that again. <laughs> um, and I think it's the things that I've seen I don't like is the things that I've drawn inspiration from. Yeah. Does so that you, make- yeah, you can sort of see how it's things bad, could be different or how they could be better. Things that have inspired me because yeah. it's like, it doesn't have to be like this. And I think the positive things that have inspired me are my friends and my colleagues and um, who who have given me the energy to, to go, yeah, we can do this. Come on, come on, we can do this. Um, so it's those two things side by side. Mm. Business, Brilliant. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I've written loads myself and I've, I've you know read a lot mm, no I think the, the things that I find it inspiring are, are, are people's stories and journeys not how they run a business because I mm. think it's personal and it changes all the time yeah great thank you so my last question for you is just do you have anything else to share any words of wisdom thoughts that you want to leave us with or would you like to just now share how people can get in touch with you and, you know, I don't anybody to follow up? <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> um, I think there's the there's that sort of Japanese saying, I can't remember who said it, that, that um, is some, I can't remember the, I wish I could have looked this up now, but it's like, um, you don't take the credit ever. Your staff take the credit and you are the one who, who if, something awful happens you're the one who has to deal with it and you're the one who have to take take the rubbish over it because you're the top you're at the top you're responsible so you have to deal with the rubbish when it gets escalated and you have to deal with that and you have to take responsibility for it every single time without fail and if there's any credit sloshing around that's your staff's credit that's not yours and mm. if you do that and you're big enough to do that and secure enough to do that it will pay pay dividends really so so that is what I would say it's like just if you don't worry who takes the credit it's amazing what you can achieve Mm. fantastic thank you I'm just aware that I didn't get to talk uh, about breakthrough women actually in in our last couple of minutes would you like to just talk a little bit about breakthrough women because you've been doing some really interesting work there and that's carrying on isn't it Hmm. there's loads of um, networks for women um who are quite high up the corporate ladder and you know people are used to going to those things 
Um, but what I felt was there wasn't really anything for women who were sort of mid-career, who didn't go out and about as much as somebody a bit higher up, who were a bit nervous about meeting other people, maybe not very confident, and who were often trying to juggle all sorts of things at home and, you know, whatever. Um, and so I set it up with the lovely Deborah Turner, my good friend Deborah Turner, who I think you're probably going to have on a podcast if you want. Yeah, like. hopefully coming soon. Yeah. Um, and what we wanted to do was have a, a, a group um, which I've paid for myself, I've funded myself of, of paying for inspiring speakers. We normally have three who come and just say, this is what I did and these are all the mistakes I made and this is my journey and I, this is how I've struggled to juggle everything. Um, and people just come along for lunch. I know you've been a number of times and um, we just wanted to inspire people and make sure they realise they're not on their own. <laughs> and... Um, you know, if they're midway, it, it was a way of, of helping. And, and as you know, I think the last one we had uh, was Jackie Davis, who is one of the top, the world's top female bodyguards. Who, oh, yeah. She we was really interesting. About, have you actually shot anybody? Do you remember <laughs> saying, yes, well, um, so she clearly had an <laughs> amazing woman in, a, in, an incredible, yeah. in an incredibly, you know, interesting world. And We've had all, all sorts of people from all sorts of um, backgrounds explaining what they do. And it's just so inspiring. It's just a great top up. And we do it sort of twice a year. It's been on hold because we we looked at doing it virtually. But I think the value of it is in people getting together. So hopefully mm. June or whatever it is, um, we'll be able to set up our next one for October and we can all meet each other and, you know, have yeah. lunch like we normally do and then listen to something really inspiring speakers. And I'm very happy to, to sponsor that. Yeah, can't wait. Looking forward to it. And your Food Talk podcast is continuing as well, isn't it? That's another uh, um, one well, of your yeah, projects that you fund yourself. Yeah, it's on hold at the moment. Um, okay. It's a way to get food producers some profile. Yeah. Um, we have some radio studios in London at uh, King's Cross, a professional studios with engineer, you know, sound engineer and studio at the back of it and everything. Um but the whole point of the program is that people used to come and bring what they make and we used to taste it, which was amazing because quite often we'd have three gin producers in an afternoon, which was <laughs> some slightly wobbly, wobbly interviewing from my perspective. Um, or we'd have cheese producers, all sorts of things. Um, and because of COVID, although we can do the recordings in a socially distanced way, although not quite the same, um, the whole point of it is tasting and, and mm. we'll have to do that at the moment. So they're on hold again, as soon as we're allowed to start recording, um, we'll go back and do that but they've been hugely successful we get 60 70 000 listeners um and we have the most amazing amazing guests producing the most amazing food and drink so yeah i'm looking forward to doing that again yeah sounds great and you've got loads of episodes that people can listen to can't, yeah i think it's about they? 400 now um we've been doing it for five years uh every week for five years um so yeah there's there's an amazing repository on foodtalk.co.uk yeah brilliant and any other links or social media profiles you want to know do media anymore um i'm getting quite disappointed by social media so no, i don't do any of that anymore the only thing i do do is linkedin and if anybody wants to go onto linkedin um my contact details are on there brilliant thank you so much thing, um, I mean, um, i'm always happy to speak if there's any um female business things going on because because i do you know, I do think role models are important and I'm not saying I'm the, you know, the best thing ever, but but there's so many things I've learned and I'm, I'm always happy to come and, and, and chat to any female business groups if, if, if that's helpful. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you so much. Okay.
and thank you for everyone for listening in thanks for listening in to today's get fruitful conversation if you've enjoyed what you've heard i invite you to give us a five-star rating leave a review subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends and colleagues to check it out too this will help us reach a wider audience and make sure you don't miss out on future episodes If you'd like to get in touch, connect with other like-minded people in business and continue conversations about topics discussed here, then I'd love you to come and find our community online. It's free to join us. Just search for the Get Fruitful Business for Good group over on Facebook, visit my website, getfruitfulmarketing.com or click the links in the show notes. I'd love to hear what business for good means for you. Until next time, goodbye for now.